Kiora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello there, Chris. Hello, Mark. How are you on this? Uh, well, it's rather cold uh, Friday evening. I'm imagining I'm in sunny San Diego, Chris, but it's a pleasant 25 degrees and I'm sitting by the pool drinking beer. Hey, well, give it, uh, what, give it um, a week or so and you'll be there. Yeah, we'll be indeed. And so will you. But uh, welcome, everyone. Yes, uh, so this is the Geodorable uh, uh, podcast, podcast all about, well, maps, GIS, kind of technology, that kind of stuff. Geospatial, location intelligence, location analytics. All of the good stuff, eh, Mark? Well, yeah, yeah, none of the GIS stuff. <laughs> Not quite, it's, a, it's an ongoing debate on this podcast about um, what is GIS? Um, is it about the where or is it just nothing special? Is it about the map, Mark? No, Chris, get off the map. Yeah. Mm. Um, and many other catchphrases <laughs> we're trying to make popular. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, speaking of catchphrases, Chris, one, one that we are going to resurface this year. Um, I know where you're going with this already. Go for it. With vigor is yeah. fashion of wear. Uh, totally, and uh, we, we should we should put this out there. So, if you're going to the uh, the Ezra UC in San Diego, which is next week, um, you've got to, you've got to support the um, fashion of wear hashtag. Yeah, and because just just special people are so diverse with their mapping and also their clothing. Uh, totally true. You can you can walk through that conference and you can go from one end. The sandals, the socks, the shorts, and the polo shirt to the other end, which is kind of you know your your uh, your Every smart t-shirt. well extra t-shirt. <laughs> I was going to say you know your suit. You know, Is it's such a diverse population. Some fantastic jackets last year from the ladies. Oh yeah, yeah, nice diversity in shirts from the men. Quite different from the New Zealand conference. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean there were all kinds of yeah um, yeah totally. It was it was uh, it was a fantastic place to be to see the fashion of wear in, in action. It was indeed, and led by Esri, strong Esri uh, leadership in the fashion of wear. Well, in that, in that, um, in the plenary, I mean, they dress up, man. That, that's impressive. It is. There's not a soccer or sandal to be seen on stage. No, 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 no. very, very smart. Um, so yeah, uh, the fashion of wear. Add to it. Watch out for it. Um, it's uh, it's it's going to be big this year. It was big last year. It was. It was trending on Twitter. It was, uh, and this year we're going all out. Fair indeed, so to speak. <laughs> You can be as flamboyant as you want, Chris. Uh, yeah, totally. Whatever's in your closet, you can bring it out. So, Mark, uh, moving on to disclaimers. <laughs> That's timely. Yeah. Um, Chris, everything we say and do on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> is, is designed for ourselves. And what? Write the podcast. Um, <laughs> and is not representative of any people we work for or work with. It's entirely true. I swear this disclaimer gets worse and worse each each uh, episode, Mark. But just to just to put across there, it's independent. Yes, of, of everything. Apart from our sponsors, Mark, who this week we're sponsored by... Well, we're still hanging out for that Mercedes yeah, sponsorship. We are, uh, yeah. Um, I'm still kind of keen on them. Um, you know, DJI wouldn't go amiss. I mean, we mention DJI almost on a weekly basis, Mark. We do, and we know they're listening. Oh, yeah, we know. Yeah, maybe we can pick them up at the uh, Esri User Conference. Do you reckon they're going to be there? Do you think we've talked about it enough? <laughs> uh, let's hope so. Let's hope enough to get sponsorship anyway. Yeah, or so, a drone. So you this know. podcast, Chris, number one in the world. Sure, totally. Um, yeah. For geospatial information based in New Zealand. Um, and this week, we're going to do some fantastic stuff. Well, of course, we've got a bit of news, but um, you know, off the back of our uh, our fantastic interview last uh, in the last episode with um, Linda Heck, um, this week we've we've got another interview. Um, man, we're good to our listeners, <laughs> well, and they're good to us with the the amount of money they send in. Ah, uh, sure, <laughs> <laughs> because they realise it costs money to put on this this greater show. Um, but we're talking to Cato, um, Cato's director of product marketing. Santiago yep. Giraldo. Yeah, it's going to be... Well, it, we've already done the interview. We know how good it is. <laughs> it is good. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's 
it was a really good i really enjoyed it it was a really good interview um yeah. santiago's got um a lot to say uh you know it, it was really it was one of those great interviews where you can kind of sit back and you know let let well mostly actually in my case let you do the work but um yeah it was good anyway shall we get on with the news before we uh what and and, and yeah whilst we sing our praises even further yes okay Spatial news. Good news, Chris. Sure. Uh, there's a book out. Oh, I love a good book, Mark. Um, and this book is called Cartography. Uh, it is, uh, and it's uh, it's it's from Esri. It's from the um, the Esri. Oh, what do they call themselves? Esri the Press. Yes, Esri Press. Uh, and written by uh, Kenneth Field. I should who, say Dr. Kenneth Field, I believe. Who we've mentioned before on this podcast for doing we have. great maps. Uh, yeah. Um, unlike, unlike, it's slightly different from other um, Esri books. <laughs> I was going to say because it's useful. Um, but no, <laughs> that's, that's not what I meant. It is because um, this is in, more instructional about how to, how to do cartography. Um, now, Chris, I've seen your maps. Have you? Yes. Um, they're better than mine. Oh, okay. Thanks. Praise mine indeed. Are, mine are atrocious. Mm. Um, and yeah. So if you're interested in conveying information through the map, uh, this looks like a good book to buy. Five hundred and was it five hundred and seventy odd pages of of maps? I thought you were about to say dollars there. No, no, Mark. No, five hundred and seventy six pages. Five hundred and seventy six pages. Now, Chris, is advertising this for ninety five dollars? US dollars for the soft cover and $130 for the hard cover. Okay. But being um, so good to our listeners, we've done some research. If you go to Amazon, yeah, uh, you can get it for um, $73 or $95 for the hard pack. Okay, well that's Amazon for you. Um, I'm sure um, if you're at the uh, the UC, you'll you know this will be uh, proud and uh, on display at the um, in the Esri shop. Yes. Um, but check the pricing I'm- on Amazon. Yeah, probably cheap, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. No, nor do I. Um, but yeah, have a look out for it. It it could be just up your alley. Spatial news. Uh, more Esri, Chris. Well, it's uh, it seems what, but three months since our last announcement on this. Um, but there's another new update for Arches Online. Who'd have thought it? Yes, yeah, so this is the. Uh, this is how the excitement just continues all year for um for Esri lovers. Yeah, well, you know, you get four updates a year, don't you? I think something like that. This is your your June 2018 update. Um, there's, would you believe, Mark, there's a bunch of stuff that's been uh, updated. Um, yeah, one thing we did note that wasn't updated, Chris, is the hmm. UI. Well, sure. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Um, um, but anyway, if you're not worried about UI and you, you like a, a good functional map, that may not be user-friendly, but functional anyway. Esri's um, released a bunch more stuff. Uh, they have. So uh, we mentioned cartography. So there's a whole uh, there's a whole new kind of section in the smart mapping and visualization space, uh, which yeah, looks pretty good, actually. Relationships. Um, oh, new style. Sorry, the, the new style is called relationships. Sorry, it wasn't a comment on either mine or Mark's relationship. Um, <laughs> relationship yeah, we've had to stop mentioning your wife. Yes. Have we? I don't know. No, let, let's delve into that. <laughs> Keep going, Mark. Why, oh, why no, can we not mention your wife anymore? No, no it's your your wife. Who keeps oh no, I coming no. in late at night constantly. Um, yeah. Anyway. Anywho, <laughs> uh, so yeah, relationship, relationship, and size. You've got these new kind of uh, styles that look looks pretty cool, actually. Um, what else have we got? Um, ArcGIS Companion for the mobile. Feature layer performance is improved. Yeah, a bunch of good stuff. Um, we do like the way things are actually evolving faster. Yeah, yeah. 3D scenes, actually. They're looking pretty impressive. Yeah, so um, check it out. Again, uh, we always advise, make sure you test before um, moving. Although if you're online, it's too late, you've moved. Yeah, you've moved, which I, I guess is the, the nice thing about software as a service, perhaps. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Well, it does. You just need to test it. Yeah. Okay. Spatial news. Now, any more news for us? (laughs) 
Sure. Um, geocortex. We're gonna we're gonna mention that. So um, you and I have a reasonably long history with geocortex. Um, great great product, uh, and they've done an awful lot over the last uh, kind of 12, 18 months um, to update it. Um, the new you know, new viewer has been updated, and now there's a, there's a new report designer coming out. Yeah, so um, Geocortex Essentials has been released, mm-hmm. um, but they're also doing a bunch of stuff in the web space. So this is Geocortex, but not Essentials. It's Geocortex individual products yeah, for, yeah. for reporting, a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're an Esri shop and you're slightly, say, I don't know, you'd like to be more customizable, or more extensible without doing custom code. Yep. Um, then geocortex is, is might be an option for you. Well, I think reporting is one of the things that you know Esri doesn't really do in that kind of web space, um, and it's something that yeah geocortex does really well. So it is worth checking out if you want kind of like you know reporting on top of your data. Then um, the the geocorting good printing. Yeah. 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 Oh, I hate it when that happens. Nothing happens until I... Yeah. Spatial news. Right, <laughs> moving on. Um, OGC, Chris. Uh, yeah. Um, um, OGC, the great standard in the sky. <laughs> That's what I love about standards. So many to choose from. <laughs> um, they're calling for papers about indoor mapping and navigation pilots. Um, we'll put a link on our website. How do people get in touch with us, Chris, or, or find out about all this great information? Yeah, there are so many ways we literally forget to mention it. Um, so you can uh, you can go to our website, which is geodorable.com. You can go to uh, our Facebook page, which is Facebook slash geodorable. You could follow us on Twitter, which is uh, at mygeodorable. Um, you could email us at geodorable at gmail.com. Um, do we accept snail mail, Mark? Uh, no, no, we don't. No, no. Okay, we only we only do fast mail apparently. Yeah, unless you're delivering um, sponsorship goods. Uh sure, sure. Uh, in which case, you can just get in touch. You can leave us. Uh, you can yeah, leave us a message through um, our face. No, what am I talking about? Through our website. Through our website, uh, through Facebook. Bunch yeah. of ways to get in touch. Actually, you can just Google Geodorable, and uh, it'll be number one on the uh, search results. Well, just like this podcast, Mark, number one. <laughs> Um, anyway, so OGC have released um, a call for papers. If indoor mapping and um, navigation is your type of thing and you'd like some influence in the way standards are set for it, uh, it's probably worth getting involved in this uh, in this pilot program. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right, moving on. Moving on. Uh, now, Chris, we love a good map. Oh, we do, as long as we're not on it. Yes, because we right. get off the map, right? Um, <laughs> now, of, of famous maps in the world, mm-hmm. uh, one of the more famous, maybe, is a map you don't really think about, and that is the map of the Hundred Acre Wood. It, it's it's surprising for for many people. It was a map. It was, it was possibly for many people. It was the first map they ever saw. You know, you get Red Winnie the Pooh as you're growing up as a kid, maybe. Quite possibly uh, this or Thomas the Tank Engine. I uh, don't remember Thomas the Tank Engine maps. Don't you? No. Oh, so on a di- side, slight divergent note there, um, W. Audrey, Reverend W. Audrey, who made it, he, him and his brother made the whole world of Thomas on a, on a map first and then wrote the stories. Oh, my goodness. I did not know that. Yeah. Can we get them on? <laughs> um, I think they've both passed away. It's going to be difficult. <laughs> not impossible for the number one geospatial oh, podcast in the world. Um, but anyway, back to this one. Ringo so, Starr's still alive. <laughs> Great. So that's that's good news. We'll keep you um, posted with more Ringo Starr updates later on the podcast. <laughs> but he voices Thomas the Tank Engine. God, you're going to make people think I'm really stupid now. But he does, doesn't he? He used to. He doesn't anymore. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, so a 1926 original uh, Winnie the Pooh map. Uh, drawn by E.H. Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming up for auction. And if you have a spare, I don't know, £440,000, which is about 880000 New Zealand dollars, and about, what, six fifty American, mm-hmm. other currencies available, um, 
yeah, you may be able to purchase it. I think it will go for more than that. I think it's outside of my budget. Worth <laughs> <sighs> expensive. You promised me this podcast would bring fame and fortune, Mark. <laughs> yeah, when it comes up next time, we'll be able to afford it. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, that's coming up for auction. But I think just interesting, um, if you're familiar with the stories, you're probably actually familiar with this map. It's a good chance to revisit um, stories of, of uh, A.A. Milne. I know your kids are probably a little bit old and you haven't read Winnie the Pooh to them in a while. Um, I guess mine in that space as well, but I do remember reading Winnie the Pooh to them. It's, it's, it's such good stories. It is. Yeah. Well, there we go. We're just reminiscing <laughs> quietly about Winnie the Pooh stories. Um, well, yeah, I was about yeah. to say that actually we were more of a Thomas family, as you could probably tell by my <laughs> depth knowledge of Thomas. Uh, yeah, no, we never were. We were much yeah. more. Yeah, love Thomas. Anyway, mm. um, Interview time, Chris. Yeah, so um, as we kind of said at the, the head of the podcast, uh, it's an interview with um, Santiago Giraldo. Um, he's he's an urban scientist uh, yeah. as well as director of um, product marketing at Carto. Yeah, um, um, an interdisciplinary creative design professional. Why do people have such better job titles than me, Mark? Because <laughs> um, Santiago is director of marketing. <laughs> yeah, he sh- if, if anybody's going to know, he should know, right? Actually, we should have asked him for new job titles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but he's more than that because he's an all-around good guy. Yeah, it was a fab interview, wasn't it? Yeah, and who has a depth of knowledge about current mapping applications um, and also the future and where they're going with Carto. And interesting thing about Carto is they're pitching themselves in a in a separate space, which is business-focused. Yep. So you've got like Mapbox and Leaflet, which are, are kind of the mapping light. You know, good, good um, mapping lights, but I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I think people know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the enterprise um, behemoths out there um, who are talking about their platforms and what have you. Um, and then Carter was sort of going, well, actually... What we're trying to do is take your business data and use location analysis. Well, yeah, their tagline is turn location data into business outcomes, and I really like that. Yeah. Uh, they still say they're a platform. Um, but they're yeah, talking location intelligence, location data, spatial an- an- analysis, um, without really using uh, the acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's really good, really good in view. Um, and yeah, should we play it, Chris? Yeah, because at the moment I feel as though I'm kind of the speaker before kind of the drinks at the end of the evening, uh, and we should just get on with it. Hello, Santiago. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're so you're the director of product marketing at Carto. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> what does that mean? What does it look like in a, in a day? <laughs> Um, you know, that's, uh, we, at, at, at Cardo being, being, uh, you know, a, a young company, we, we would tend to wear a lot of hats. So director of, uh, product marketing and, and product marketing, I think could be described as one of my main roles, but, uh, but my day to day varies so much, uh, just based on, on what we need to do and, and just the, the rapidly changing nature of, of Cardo and, and of, you know, the, the needs of geo, geo business generally that, uh. That uh, it's it's hard to kind of give you a, a day by day play, you know. Um, as as an example, last week uh, I had the pleasure of of being at a, a UNICEF as a, as a mentor for their innovation fund, um, uh, meeting with these uh, data science data science startups, and uh, you know that that was quite an amazing thing. Uh, before that, it was in, in Washington D.C. Uh, with our sales team, sort of working on on some of the future business strategies that, that we're going to be implementing and some of the some of the sales strategies that, that we're going to be doing moving forward, um, and you know the, those two weeks can are, are widely different from say you know uh, an average Thursday, which which could be uh, uh, you know developing some new new materials or working with the product team to understand what what the next sort of phase of of the product life is, or or you know begin to wrap wrap up projects around data to to figure out how we can market them in our in our content. Uh, you know it's a it's, it stays very varied, so I'll, I'll kind of kind of leave it there. <laughs> yeah, and do you still get your hands dirty and, and make maps? 
Oh yes, of course. Um, you know that's that's probably one of one of my favorite parts about about working at a, at a, a geo startup, a location intelligence startup is is that um, you know I, I I don't find myself bored in any way. So you know sometimes I can roll up my sleeves and work with, with some of the new libraries and new technologies, or or with a partner or with a you know we have a we have a grants program that uh, that we developed. Um, you know oftentimes we find ourselves working with grantees to solve specific geospatial problems or help them build applications and things like that. So you know that that little piece of my job is is nice because it keeps me keeps me sharp and uh, keeps me active. Uh, yeah. When, yeah, and the and you still describe Carto as a startup. <laughs> when do you, when, when does Carto not become a startup? No, no, I, I, you know I, we I, I think I think we've kind of moved moved past that uh, past that stage where you know we've we've kind of established ourselves and we've we've got a pretty strong foothold with a uh, with our clients and and around the world. So uh, you know we've. I guess uh, you, you could describe this as a um, you know having having just recently flown the coop from from the startup sort of a mentality. Yeah. Is there like a, a feeling when you know you've passed it? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, you, when you, it's uh, the 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 company has been been growing at such a rapid rate that you know you you kind of uh, it's it's like it's like running a marathon. You know, you get halfway down and you look back and you're like, oh man, where is where was the starting point? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and but the, unlike a marathon, you look forward and, and you're not going to see the end. So that's that's another interesting piece there. <laughs> so you also uh, you describe yourself as an urban scientist. Yes. What what does that mean? Um... <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, it means that um, that I use science, uh, geospatial tools, and technology and data to uh, try to solve spatial problems uh, in cities specifically and. Uh, you know, it's it's it actually goes back to to how I got into the whole geospatial world, which which was actually not intentional in uh, in any way. Um, I studied uh, I studied environmental uh, science uh, and permaculture design, uh, which is a, a system science way of approaching how you design, for example, public spaces or, or gardens or cities. Um, and then I I then studied uh, urban ecology, which is uh, which is like a technology and science first approach to how you think about uh, problems inside of cities. So, you know, I tackled, uh, not tackled, but tried to tackle a lot of problems and, you know, with everything from uh, the housing crisis in New York City to how you think about uh, food deserts in Denver and, uh, and everything in between. So it's, it's, um, it's a love, a love for solving problems leads to something like urban science and how you solve those problems leads to a love in geospatial. Yeah. So you're a I mean is you're a scientist as opposed to an analyst? Well, you know, uh when when I think about science, uh you know, I think a lot of people think of oh, you know, you, you just work with data and uh you know, you're a data scientist or you know, you're just writing algorithms and you know, I I think that's part of it. So, you know, there is a part of me that that is that. But then there, oh, there's also the part of me that's that's a social scientist and that's that's a scientist of spaces and and that thinks about, you know, uh, thinks about design and thinks about how systems work and how everything interacts with each other. And and in my idea, you know, it it spans way beyond just the idea of, of data science or or even to that notion, uh, spatial science or, or GIS or location intelligence. And it's that uh, you know that that inquisitive mind with all of those things wrapped into it that that leads to uh, to you know what I would consider real practical science that that can that can be sort of taken forward. Yeah. So I did a. Um, sorry, I was going to say I did a an urban studies degree, right? So mm -hmm. um, a similar pathway, I guess. And um, you do find that location you can't really think about think about it without location. So you know, for you it was kind of you know. Did you start using location intelligence or GIS at a kind of an early stage within that 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 career path, or was it a, you know, you're suddenly aware of there's this this tool out there that you could use? Well, you know, it, it kind of happened organically. Um, you know, we, we started with uh, in permaculture design. You do you do a lot of observation, and um, you know, you try to understand space and understand how everything's interacting with each other from how people traverse the space to the plants that are there to et cetera, et cetera. And then you put it into maps, you know, and a lot of times this, this sort of takes the form of, of these, uh, these handwritten maps or hand annotated, um, things that from when you're out in the field. Um, and then, 
you know that that's uh, that that's that was sort of like how how I started thinking about maps just in general. But then when you start to think about problems like, for example, uh, food deserts, which um, in, in a previous life I I worked for a uh, a nonprofit called the Grow House, which is an urban hydroponic and aquaponic farm that specialized in, uh, in providing healthy foods in a neighborhood called the Elyria Swansea neighborhood of Denver. Um, but when you're thinking about for example, how, how you address something like a food desert, um, you know, the, those problems are inherently spatial. So you begin to think, okay, well, you know, we need to understand where these food deserts are. What are the factors that influence this food desert? What types of people are being affected? Um, you know, what, what kind of resources are available to these people? And, and what do they actually need to be successful? You know, do they need gardens? Do they need grocery stores? Uh, do they need better education? There, there's just so many different factors. And that was sort of a turning point for me, where you begin to realize and say, oh, "Oh crap, this isn't as easy as I thought it was." You know? And, uh, and uh, you, you begin to understand the importance of, of data and uh, and you know location intelligence and spatial tools and spatial analysis and being able to put that into a coherent package that that allows you to understand very complex situations easily. Yeah. So you don't describe yourself as a GIS person. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I would, I would describe myself as, uh, as an, a technologist, uh, and, uh, you know, a, a spatial, um, a lover of all things spatial. I want to try and, you know, I, I guess deep down, I'm, I'm definitely a, a spatial scientist and, and somebody that loves geography. Definitely would describe myself as a geographer. Uh, but I think first and foremost, I'm a, I tried to be a problem solver and think about things in that way. Yeah, that's it's cool. We've had, every guest we've had on has described themselves as a geographer, even though geog- the word geographer isn't really in their, their title. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. And I think in New Zealand it brings up um, images of people in sandals and socks. <laughs> so, maybe we need to change our imagery, image of uh, what a geographer is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I, I think the term's evolved. It's, it's less linear nowadays. You know, there's uh, you know the, the concept of human, human and social geography, and environmental geography, and you know, and, and everything in between. So, yeah, it, I think it is time that, that we that we begin to redefine some things a little bit. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess that's been. I was going to say that. I guess that's been one of the things that Carter has has been doing is is kind of redefining um that space you know if you go through the carto website you know gis pops up once and or once twice but really it's it's different terms it's location intelligence mm-hmm. you know is that is that something that's been targeted by carto to to kind of change that that view that change that um kind of understanding of 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 gis of location to some to some degree yes you know I, I mean i don't think location intelligence is is a new term that that has never existed before that or that carto invented it but what I think that, that we're trying to do is uh, is reframe the way that people think about uh, solving spatial problems generally. Um, and you know, m- one of the things that you know what, what we would consider more of a traditional GIS uh, was able to do was was pave the way for that in a lot of ways. But that at the same point, um, you know, back back before you know five ten years ago, data was was difficult to to have and to use and, and to to understand how to how to actually leverage it to to solve these kinds of problems and for a very long time spatial professionals lived in in this silo where you know you can imagine it almost like a like a black box of, of GIS where you have a you have teams that are trying to solve problems and they have a GIS department and they kind of put something into this black box and and the geo scientists process something print out a report and send you a map and and uh, you know what we think when we think of location intelligence it's, it's sort of trying to debunk that a little bit and say well well no you know first of all solving spatial problems doesn't need to be incredibly complicated you know it should be something that's an integrated part of for example your your data science processes or, or how your analysts work or or the or how they're thinking about about you know really anything and what what we see a lot of times now is I think the, these two sort of spectrums, right? You have the GIS professional, which which I think is a very valuable role and uh, and something that's that's um, not going to go away for for a long time. But at the same point, that that role should evolve into something that that is more inclusive, that integrates him more into part of the team, and and that he, he can be sort of like a leader, or he or she can be sort of a leader in empowering 
uh, more people and different types of people to use technology and spatial data in different ways. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have uh, sort of the, the business analysts and you have you know, this plethora and explosion of BI tools that, that has emerged that has made working with data, visualizing data incredibly easy. And, and we're seeing things like maps being integrated to that at a very rapid rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, uh, those those are sort of like the, uh, that's sort of like the other extreme where they're not solving spatial challenges as much. They're more, you know, visualizing and doing visual analysis and, and putting it in the context of dashboards and these types of things. And then where we see location intelligence in Cardo is sort of, you know, not, not so much bridging those things, but more paving the way forward where we want to make solving complex spatial problems easy for as many people as possible and, and easy for no matter what background you come from. So from the data scientist to the, uh, the geo developer power user to, uh, to the, da- to the business analyst, you know, the, we, we want to provide the tool sets and, and the things that, that integrate uh, location intelligence more deeply into uh, how a businesses thinks about their data generally. Yeah. So with Cato, what what is the what's the um, elevator pitch for if you're in for Cato for a GIS person versus a business a business analyst or someone who's you know developing a business. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's that, that's an interesting question for sure. You know, I, I don't think that the the pitches actually actually vary or, or change too much. You know, we work, you know, myself included. Um, I work with a lot of people that, that come from from a GIS background and, and a heavy geospatial science or geography background. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, solving spatial problems is is challenging. It's it's difficult, and it's going to continue to be difficult. Um, when I think of you know somebody that that studied geography or GIS in the context of of the new geo paradigm, as, as we may or may or may not call it, uh, they, they really become sort of the, the power users and uh, the experts that that sort of have this deep understanding of of what it means to solve these kinds of problems and and how to work with spatial data and how to how to take the concepts and put them into practice. That they become you know an inseparable part of a team. But it's a team that isn't just geo-professionals. They become an integral part of a team that has uh, data scientists and developers and and analysts and, and all these different types of people that can now work together and, and solve those problems in different ways with new approaches. Yeah. Okay, so you've, it's a different it's a different paradigm almost for, for, for what people are using Kato for than traditional GIS. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, with with a uh, with what Cardo, what Cardo, what we're doing is is we're really trying to solve uh, business problems for for business users. Um, and that's while it's not in completely, it's not a complete separation from, say, you know, um, using traditional GIS to, to solve an urban problem, as an example. Um, it does have a different focus because. Uh, up until recently, you know, it was it was hard to have a GIS department inside of a business that's doing that's doing analysis specifically for, um, say, you know, increasing revenue or or driving customer engagement or or doing geo marketing or uh, or targeted advertising or you know fraud detection or investment planning or those types of things. Yeah. Um. So you know that's 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 changed in a big way, and and we try to make that it. Something that, that more people can uh, can actually begin to use and integrate. So, what? So, do you find that um, you you go into a business, you solve one business problem, and that kind of opens up that business to the you know the concepts of location, um, and they then become kind of you know almost your, your repeat customers. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges, right? Is that is how do how do you, how does somebody that that has never thought about location data or something spatial? How do you, how do you get them on board with with thinking in this way and understanding the value of it. And, uh, you know, what, what we've kind of noticed is that somebody comes in and they say, well, you know, we've looked at our data and we have all these spreadsheets and, you know, we think we've got a handle on the problem and what's going on. And then we kind of begin to open these doors of possibilities and say, okay, well, you know, what, what have you thought about the demographics or have you thought about, uh, you know, the transactional data that, that could be influencing these changes? Have you Have you taken a look at for example, pedestrian traffic densities in these areas where you're planning on investing. These are all obviously hypothetical situations that I'm, that I'm rattling off, but but you get the idea of like um, mm-hmm. you know of, of reframing a problem 
And then my favorite part about having conversations with, with people that, uh, that are interested and kind of on the periphery of, of spatial is that once they begin to understand uh, how impactful it can be in their decision-making process, this little light bulb goes off and their expression changes. And, you know, you can see it in the back of their eyes that suddenly the wheels, the wheels get greased up and start turning and, and they see this whole new world of possibilities that, that they didn't have before. No, it, it's it, that's a pretty rewarding part I think about about the spatial industry generally. Yeah, and how do you start with Cardo? Like, is it you? You just buy the product, or you? <laughs> well, um, you know, there's lots of different ways of engaging with Cardo. Uh, Cardo is, is an open source geospatial software. It's on GitHub. Uh, you can take a look at it, and and you can use it there. Um, you know, the, the way that we engage with businesses uh, and and our clients is is Really, trying to trying to pay special attention special attention to and understand the problems that they're trying to solve in a deeper way. So you know the uh, the sort of the software as a service model uh, tends to try to default into hey you know here's this software kind of take it and, and do it and use it. But and and for some people that's fine. Um, you know we, we a lot of spatial developers a lot of a lot of GIS professionals and. And um, you know, an analytics sort of champions can pick up something like Cardo, can pick up our developer libraries, can pick up uh, Cardo Builder, and and take it and run. But I think for the vast majority of people that are that are just now sort of opening their minds to spatial, you have to take more of an approach where you're saying, hey, you know, I'm glad that you're here first of all, and then let's think about this problem that you have with people that have been solving these types of problems for a long time. You know, let's not throw you to the wolves, but let's take a more tailored approach to, to how we solve this problem and make sure that this problem gets solved no matter what. And I, I think that's another thing that, that's really important in the shift is that sort of you know, white glove treatment that, uh, the, the newbies need to get. Um, and, and the business world, I, I think we see that more and more, but I think that's changing at a pretty rapid rate. Yeah. It must make for a really exciting kind of sales process. You're obviously going to get the the kind of the, the users that you say go on GitHub and, and just start using Carto, but then you know it's not a case of shifting boxes. You're you're there to help solve the problem, which which makes that kind of sales process um, quite different. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. Um, and you know, it's it's I think different different in a good way where yeah. Where you know we, we also get exposed and, and begin to understand you know what what are the pressures that these different businesses have today, and you can begin to think about you know like businesses that are working in telecommunications have vastly different problems than people in real estate, um, and you know we work with a lot of for example investment consultancies or uh, management consultancies that they solve problems for their clients and they're more of the you know it's like give give me the software and let me do this or teach me how to use the software and let me solve these types of problems. So you see a little bit of everything, uh, but it also gives you a very unique perspective into you know, a, a wide range of, of, of life and, and of business and of economy that, that otherwise you don't get just, uh, just sort of distributing software. Yeah, and you've just had the Cardo conference, or con- conferences um, mm-hmm. in New York, New York City, in Madrid. Um, we, we tried to come. <laughs> thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the invitation. Un- unfortunately, our sponsorship isn't quite at the uh, level of affording flights out of New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> but what was what was the vibe of them? What was what 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 happens at a Cardo conference? Yeah, you know, um, with, with Cardo locations, you know, we had it in Madrid, uh, we had it in New York, um, and and while they were. You know, in a lot of ways, very similar in the concepts and ideas we put forward. They were also they were also quite different in in uh, sort of their their reception and execution. Um, I think that uh, a very a very common theme across both of them was this idea of location data and access to location data, which is something that uh, that we announced recently uh, a partnership with with Mastercard uh, to provide uh, retail insight data, uh, and we can now build that into our applications or you can use it through a standalone solution called MasterCard Retail Insights uh, that's built with Cardo. And uh, the goal of that is to sort of begin to expose and and begin to bring in different types and new types of data streams into the fold uh, for this kind of spatial data solving. And and it kind of fits like a glove because, you know, a a lot of the things that that we do on the analysis side is to try to uh, 
create the processes that, that can work on, for example, real-time data or that allow non-technical, non-JIS users to, to model reality and to, and to see things in different ways. So, you know, bringing in, for example, the spend data or, or some new foot traffic data or or improved and better crowdsourced data uh, only enriches those processes and, and helps us solve problems better. So data, I think, was, was a core theme there across the board. Um, in the US, I think we saw more uh, more technical-minded business people that, that were there to solve very specific problems that you know, had, had done their research a lot and understood you know, how, how Cardo sort of compares to different things. Um, what kind of problems they need to solve, and 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 they were there to to learn. And then in the uh, in the Madrid edition, uh, we saw a lot of that as well. But we saw a lot of a lot of companies that that were there to sort of understand this new paradigm and, and understand what what the future of location intelligence means for their businesses specifically. Uh, so very business focused, uh, if you if you haven't gathered. <laughs> So you know you mentioned the Mastercard data there. Is that uh, is that kind of a growth area? Do you see you know cur- curating specific data sets that you know you often see the kind of you know the census information, but but creating those data sets that that are kind of almost again non traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you've mentioned Mastercard, you mentioned foot traffic and, and things like that. So is that something you you actively go and and, and try and identify? Uh, yep. Yeah, so that that's um, one of the areas that, that we're expanding a lot. And we actually made that announcement at locations is uh, that we're we're investing heavily in in third party data streams, um, and we're, we're actively looking going out and seeking partnerships with different providers to make that data available for for spatial analysis, visualization, and, and building location applications in our platform. And uh, you know the foot traffic data and the the Mastercard sort of. Uh, Real retail insight data or spend data uh, is is the tip of the iceberg, and we, we think that there is an entire world of location data that, that we can begin to expose in a really easy way uh, for all of our users. Does it become quite location centric? I mean, foot traffic data, um, you're not going to be able to grab that everywhere, right? Um, even on a city by city basis, it might be difficult. Yeah, absolutely, um, and it, that's that's one of the biggest challenges I think when working with location data generally, right? Is um, is availability and access to that data uh-huh. in in different areas, and uh, yep. you know, so so and, and quality obviously varies. So we do have providers like if you take uh, footfall data as an example, you know, we we do have, we have providers uh, in Europe and in the U.S., but you know, those data sets are, are not standardized either. They they can be wildly different from providers. Um, you know, to, if you're trying to find uh, um, you know, footfall data in, in, in Russia or Germany, uh, it, it becomes a little bit harder because we don't have those networks of providers in, inside of those regions. So, so it's very highly dependent on, um, on where these partners are and the quality of their data. And what, what we try to do is, uh, is we try to take that data and, and clean it and make it as accessible as possible for, for our clients. So you know, while, while the providers might be different, the quality of the data uh, remains consistent. And then on top of that, we also uh, we also develop um, algorithms, and and our data science team works really hard to create derivative data sets from that. So you can begin to understand things such as um, origin destination analysis, or where people likely work, you know, how, how long they're dwelling in specific areas, or or begin to identify patterns in foot traffic uh, and and the factors that, that actually influence those changes. Yeah. So with how does um you know go go on go no no you go. Oh, I was going to say, how, how does um, kind of accessibility um, fit into that story? Um, you know, people's uh, accessibility to whatever they're trying to, you know, um, get to is that something? Is that something you're you're looking at? Uh, accessibility from the from our from the client side, or yeah. or, or the data itself, oh, Jen? Uh, from the client side, so kind of you know, um, h- how do people travel? Uh, how do people move through the city? Is that is that kind of uh, you know particularly from a retail kind of um, sector something you're looking into? Yeah, yeah, a, a lot a lot of times it is, um, and it, you know it really just depends on on the types of problems that, that people are trying to solve. So the footfall data, for example, can help plan for for real estate or investment decisions, as well as you know when we say retail, there's a broad spectrum of everything from you know territory planning to uh, distribution route optimization and you know the, these different 
data sets actually play play in our opinion a, a pivotal role in, in how we begin to optimize those processes in, in a general way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from an accessibility standpoint of, uh, of of let's say how our clients access this access this data, uh, this this is really where um, where being able to understand the problem that they have and, and how the data actually helps solve that problem is is absolutely critical. Um, it goes back to that that notion that you know these things aren't easy. Uh, we try to make them as easy as possible, but you need to make sure that you have the right data to solve the right problems in the right locations. Um, and uh, and we work really closely with our clients to make sure that that, that happens. Yeah. So the um, there's there is a, a renaissance maybe a wave of um, of GIS <laughs> geospatial location intelligence happening around the world. Is this? Um, I mean, we've had traditional GIS companies, um, Esri and the, and the likes, and now we've got then we got, I suppose, disrupted by Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Um, is is Carto come up from the Google Map? Do you think come out of the Google Map and benefit from that that revolution that happened, or is it benefited more from the traditional GIS companies staying in the in the GIS segment and not um not really venturing outside it? You know, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, the the way that I think about it is that. You know the the GIS analysis and and uh, you know the, the geography approach uh, that that came sort of first really paved the way for uh, even just allowing what, what Google Maps did with um, with with Google Maps Engine and and, and their platform generally and uh, you know something like Cardo is is really a, a product of those two things right it's taking the best pieces of of the web and the power of the web uh, and and applying it to solving problems in, in a way that, that's very reminiscent of, of the GIS era. Um, but that being said, you know the, the the same way that you know Google Maps made maps accessible for a broad swath of the population, Cardo, what we're doing is we're making not just maps but uh, location intelligence and and solving spatial problems accessible to a much broader set of a uh, set of people. And uh, you know, I've, I've been talking about how, how we've been very focused in working with businesses to solve business problems, but but it doesn't really stop there. You know, we, we see students solving you know really important problems across uh, almost every industry with our software. Uh, we see environmental groups and nonprofits that have been doing incredible work uh, in in doing things like monitoring forests uh, or, or fisheries, and and I think that you know that that notion of accessibility is, is incredibly important when when moving those those things forward. So is there a particular market segment that Carto is seeing you know, the most growth in at the moment? Uh, we've seen we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of uptake in in government and cities. Uh, I think that that with the the Internet of Things sort of revolution that's happened and, and hardware that's been generating data, that's where there's been the most amount of uh, of just blatant opportunity for for these kinds of technologies. But uh, but we also see a lot of uh, you know like. Uh, consultancy companies, uh, real estate companies, investment firms, retail—all um, these different sectors are are becoming more and more spatial every day. And the, those those ones that I named off, I think, are are some of the ones where we've seen uh, the widest range of adoption um, of location intelligence across the board, just because they they are in, they are inherently spatial, and the problem that they're solving are inseparable from from the location challenges and location data that's being generated. So, I mean, you, you were talking before before this interview about um, how complementary Carto is with with traditional GIS like like Esri. Why why is that? Why is it complementary and not competitive? <laughs> um, so I I I, uh, I I don't I don't think I said it was uh, it was complementary. Not, not that it's not, <laughs> but it, that it's uh, but it's it's sort of uh, like you know an evolution of it. So it's it's not a separation from. From something like like Esri, uh, in the sense that, you know, as Esri sort of put this world of GIS into motion, and location intelligence, in our opinion, is uh, sort of you know the next natural evolution of that, as a result of of the data and, and the and the advances in technology that that have actually come about. Um, you know, with with Cardo, it was it was sort of born out of the web, born on the internet, and born in the cloud, and and that. Because because we were built with with that in mind first, uh, it, it 
it has a possibility to to solve a different subset of problems for a different subset of users. So when, like for example, um, as far as like competition to Cardo, I mean obviously we have a lot of people that uh, that still that use Esri. Um, I mean we don't have a lot of people, but we talk to a lot of people that that use Esri uh, on a regular basis and they use GIS on a regular basis. Um, and uh, and it's 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 sort of like you know they are built to solve a certain type of scientific problem with things like uh, ArcGIS Desktop and ArcGIS Pro, um, and even ArcGIS Online. While the more sort of like fluid data science problems, the sharing problems, the interdisciplinary approach to to solving spatial problems is better suited for for the companies that, that have sort of been born into this space and, and are ready to to deal with the challenges that that brings. So we. We chatted a little earlier, and you know, um, we all agreed. You know, it's a, it's a really exciting space to be in at the moment because there are there is a you know um, the emergence of you know the likes of Carto and others that that are, are kind of making the marketplace uh, a lot more interesting. Um, kind of the 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 difficult question, perhaps, is um, you know what what do you think the future looks like? Is it is there going to be a continuation, a, a proliferation of of these new kinds of companies? Um, or, or do you think that there's going to be a, a period of, of, I don't know, we're going to settle down and, and uh, you know, have the status quo for a little while and, and then, you know, is it, is it a step change or, or, or you, do you think we're at the kind of the start of a real upturn in, in, in the market? You know, I, I think that, I think that we're, we're, we've just kind of tapped into, into the tip of the iceberg when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the, the future of geospatial. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, it started uh, with GIS, and and it's been continued with the proliferation of things like OpenStreetMap and, and Google, and and all these things that that have been generating data and, and that have allowed more people to have more access to maps and uh, spatial decision making and visualization. And then we're stepping right now out of that out of that space of just you know make, making pretty maps or really really complex hard analysis uh, with the, that an expert has to do. Into something that's that's a little bit more um, more representative of 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 today of, of, of modern times, you know, where uh, we're we're moving right now into into the world of uh, of spatial data science and analysis that's that's accessible to a whole new range of people. Uh, we're getting access to an entire new sort of subset or, or way of thinking about spatial analysis generally with. The proliferation of, of data science and, and new algorithms that, that have that are coming out regularly, uh, and um, and then and then we're also being able to kind of make that uh, more accessible and more more custom and more tailored. Part of it as a result of, of things like you know new libraries that that allow greater flexibility when building, for example, location apps or or new ways of rendering data that allow you to render very large amounts of data per se. Um, yeah, sorry, I just lost my train of thought a little bit. <laughs> so, so the competition in terms of in terms of the threat and opportunities for Cato, is it there, there's obviously some threat from the other GIS, but is there also um, just the threat of ignorance about spatial the power of spatial? I think I think that's uh, that that's sort of the number one challenge that we've been faced with, right? Is um, is how do you get people that are non-spatial really thinking about things spatially and understanding the impact that it can that it can have? And we're seeing more and more of that. Um, you know, I would say that that if anything, in the next uh, three to five years, it'll become uh, location intelligence will become a, a household technology for the majority of businesses. And uh, you know, not not to compare, for example, something like Cardo to to the world of BI, but if you think about, you know, business intelligence has existed forever. But then this explosion of BI tools created uh, a paradigm that so many more people could begin to process and visualize and analyze this information in a coherent way that now it's it's laughable if you're not using that technology in inside of inside of your business optimization yeah. strategy. Uh, many, sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say with BI uh, BI tools in particular, you know. Um, it seems as though that, that there was a, a, a sudden explosion of BI and suddenly everybody had a BI dashboard. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost, yeah, you, you're right, you know, businesses had BI tools for a while, but 
it seems that it, it became uh, almost like it became a, a conscious thing. People were suddenly aware of it. Whereas mm. with, with GIS, GIS has been around for you know <laughs> forever, a long time, but you don't quite get that same that 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 kind of same understanding about location. Um, do you think that's something that I don't know? Um, is spatial still special, or is it is it not? Is it just been this slow burn? You know, I, I, it's it has it's been a slow burn up until now. Uh, but I mean, if you think about just in the past couple of years, um, you know, the, how, how many geospatial startups and geospatial uh, companies have have sort of sprung up. Uh, and you look at, for example, some of the analysis that uh, that groups like Gartner and Forrester have done around uh, location technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're I think we're about to see that slow burn turn into uh, a, a violent blaze, if you will. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> so, what's I don't know. What is it that people don't get? Because BI, you know, it's people have always been using graphs and Excel. But all of a sudden, they found there's a bunch of other stuff. We've always had maps, um, but as mm-hmm. people just never clicked that when they see a map, they're actually reading a thousand bits of information. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's that's, that's a tough question. You know, uh, I, I always think about it in this way: if back in uh, let's say let's say ten years ago, if somebody needed to uh, figure out the best place to uh, open a new store. Let's just use retail as an example. You know, they, they could go and they could do all this research and they could hire a team of scientists and a team of geospatial experts to do a bunch of analysis and then in, in a week or two generate a printed report that may or may not be outdated, that has some maps, that may or may not have some bias. And, and if they want to go back and, and model something else, you know, they kind of have to go back to the drawing board again. Um, and that just that just isn't isn't uh, an effective way of, of doing these things anymore. And uh, as is apparent with, with the explosion of web mapping and, and all these technologies. So you know what what sort of uh, the jump from using Excel and charts and graphs to using BI tools was really the ability to to model and remodel things on the fly without um, without a team of, of experts and, and scientists at the helm of it, and the ability to share those findings across different teams with across different people. And uh, that's that's what sort of, in my opinion at least, flipped the script for BI. Um, in location intelligence, I think that we're seeing something similar, right? Where people have used maps, they understand the idea of location uh, analysis and spatial analysis, but they just uh, they're not sort of embedded or invested in those processes, and and it's hard for a lot of people to understand what that analysis actually looks like and how it was derived. Uh, with something like Cardo, for example. Um, you know, you can you can create an application that allows you to to do modeling or, or changing changing parameters and understand, for example, data in real time or process and analyze it in real time and model it inside of an application without without ever without ever requiring to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, and it's that sort of mental shift that we're seeing now, and it's picking up steam in a really big way. And obviously, I said Cardo, but but it's not just Cardo; it's it's really just web mapping technologies and. and and this new, you know, cloud-based spatial paradigm that's been created. Yeah. So is that the advantage over, say, traditional GIS is the speed, the speed of analysis that you can start modeling much faster without being a, um, a desktop expert? I would say it's one of them. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's the ability to to sort of be able to, to take something that's happening in real time or as real time as your data is and then and then to do really complex things in a really, really easy way. And when you start to solve these complex problems in easy ways that other people can understand, then they can start wrapping their head around some of these spatial concepts that, that have eluded them for a long time. And more and more people can, can sort of feel empowered with that and and have a have a bigger impact on on themselves, on on things that they care about, on, on their business, on their job or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. So what would be your advice to the, the GIS analyst in terms of trying to look to the future? Oh, that's a um, <laughs> tough, tough question. Um, the, the job's still going to be around, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, but the, way that I, the way that I see it is I, I came from, from, uh, from a GIS background. 
Um, and I came from a world of, of spatial analysis and, and, and living and breathing those tools and, and trying to solve problems with them. And, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what this new sort of world is, has brought, for me at least, is an entire new world of possibilities where, you know, to, to solve a problem actually means to, that, I can, that I don't need to solve it just once, but that I can continue to solve that problem over and over and over again. Uh, without having to to redo a lot of work in the in the first place, it also allows me to uh, to communicate that work with people that may or may not understand the concepts of it, but in a way that they can actually really deeply understand the impact that it can have. Uh, that's that's what I think that you know for a GIS analyst, the the biggest takeaway of of diving into the world of spatial today is that you know the future has really never looked brighter. And while while companies such as Cardo are empowering different types of users to solve different types of problems, the role of the GIS analyst it means that you become sort of the core expert and, and the power user of these things that other people are solving problems with. Yeah, so what does the future look like then? Um, I, think that, I think that we're going to see a lot more adoption of, uh, of, of spatial data science across the board. Yeah. I think that we're going to see a lot more, um, you know, university programs that are that are geared towards, uh, as opposed to GIS, we're going to see things like you know spatial problem solving or or urban science degrees, which which there's there's actually some out there um, yeah. already that exist. Um, and and I think we're going to see it more embedded into the day to day things as opposed to this you know this called out uh, this called out thing that that is that is GIS, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some more people familiar with the vocab. But not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, experts in uh, in actual yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Um, and we, um, as we have this science of where uh, slogan. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what what's Carto's slogan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we turn location data into business outcomes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not, not as abstract as science of where. <laughs> a little, a little bit more direct, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah. So, what is, what is it that? Um, how would you find? How would you describe? I mean, you've probably gone over it a few times, but what is it you describe the solution or the outcomes you can provide to people in in a quick pitch? Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's something we've we've thought about a lot. Um, but but I think that you know that that sort of tagline uh, tries to embody it in, in a big way, right? So it's almost all of your data that's being generated and data that exists has a location element, and uh, and everything happens somewhere. So that's an, another tagline for you. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but the reality is that you know. Um, if, if I if I were to to kind of give you the the short pitch on Cardo uh, and and location intelligence generally, it's that we we take location data and and we we apply analysis and we develop the technology that lets you solve very complex problems in the easiest way possible. Um, we literally turn location data in, into business outcomes, um, and and we do that by implementing this this new paradigm of of spatial technology and innovation. Oh, brilliant. Oh, cool. Thank you for your time, Santiago. That's, um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank yeah. you. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's cool. And um, yeah, so you can get hold of, well, Carto's Carto website. What's, what is it? Carto.com? Carto.com, yes. Yep. And you've got a Twitter feed and all the usual social media marketing mm-hmm. yep. streams. Absolutely. Yeah, you can. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out our blog. We've been writing a lot of very interesting uh, location-related articles and, and, and pieces on, on various industries. Uh, and that, that's at cardo.com slash blog. Um, definitely you know, follow us on Twitter at Cardo. And, uh, and generally be in touch. We're, we're very accessible. Yeah, and also GitHub, you said. Yep, yep, absolutely. Check us out. Brilliant. Well, thank cool. you very much for thank your you. time. Thank you. Thank you again. Well, Mark, that was the interview. That was. <laughs> do we do good interviews, Chris, or do we do good interviews? I think we get excellent people to interview, to be perfectly honest. I, I would actually yeah, agree and, and say the guests we get on are, are um, far better than we are able to interview. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, I think we're getting better. I wouldn't want to disappoint future interviewees out there, you know. <laughs> 
come on to the podcast and be interviewed by a couple of yeah anyway um, <laughs> what what I found interesting was just again as we said at the intro the ability to turn location uh, business information into location mm-hmm. um, and and just how much more there is to unlock uh, uh, a huge amount and and uh, you know it's that Jurus has been done in in you know the same way for quite a while, and now we're seeing this kind of plethora of of, of new and exciting um, you know, technologies uh, come yeah. out. Trying to move the geospatial out from the the back room in the sandals and socks into everyday language. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Linda said the same thing. You know, trying to educate people in the vocab. And and uh, um, Joseph Kersky said that as well. Actually, yeah. you know. Um, so get out there more people I think that maybe is the big driver um, try and try and integrate into society yeah <laughs> instead of just sitting in the room <laughs> with your big plotter so you know huge thanks to uh, Santiago um, we're going to see you at the uh, SVUC hopefully um, and we owe you a beer I think yeah we do we owe quite a few people beers we do actually yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and if you're at the UC um, yeah, and you actually find us um, yeah, feel free to take us out for a beer or just <laughs> congratulate us or talk about the podcast or anything else geospatial. That'd be great. Well, we're going to be, uh, you know, roaming around, uh, asking people questions and, you know. Yeah, um, but not really identifiable. <laughs> well, but yeah. tweet us. How about yes. that? Yeah. Uh, tweet us or Facebook us and uh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, so that's a great podcast, Chris. We've got one more before the UC, I think. We're going to try and fit in, maybe. Yeah, and trying to cram it in uh, next week. Yep. Next week. Um, I mean, and it, well, I don't know what... We don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, it, I think it's probably going to be, uh, you know, the UC is coming up. The, uh, you know, what, what you should look out for. Yeah. Um, you know, first-timers, what, what you need to do. Um, and on that, I think if you're... If you've got some UC advice, if you've been to many conferences and and know to stay away from the burritos, or um, <laughs> which yep. food truck is the best, get in touch with us on our Twitter, or on our Gmail, on Facebook, through the website, and um, tell us what uh, your conference secrets. When was the last time you went to conference, Mark? Uh, UC I went in 2014. 2014, okay. I was last year, so yes, bit of experience there. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, we, we sure. know. Sure, brilliant. Um, well, on that great note, Chris, is it time to say goodbye? I think it probably is, uh, and uh, speak next week. Yep, C- catch you later.